It's important to know. Dark Days of Dorothy Gale is solely a reimagining of the novel The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, and not the 1939 film or any other iteration of the story. Dark Days of Dorothy Gale, Aftermath, for episodes 19, 19 1903, and 194. Chapters 23, The Third Floor and the Patchwork Girl, 24, The Second Floor, 25, Reginald Part 3, The First Floor, and 26, Il Dyed Part Two. Whew, this was a long week. This week we found Dorothy searching for Mr. in Reginald's bizarre mansion. In the third floor, she finds a labyrinth of doors, along with a couple of other surprises. I modeled this floor a little bit on the Winchester mansion, and not because it was popular at the time. I just want to point out, I wrote this book before the quiet release of Winchester, starring Helen Mirren, which didn't seem to really cause a huge spike in the mansion's popularity anyway. But that's neither here nor there. I like the idea that this is just a floor of conjoined rooms and useless doorways. Time is of the essence for Dorothy, so it's important for each floor to be, well time-consuming. In the written version of the book, Dorothy finds the bedroom and notes the patchwork curtain, the bed, and a couple of dressers. In the podcast, she notices the same things, only instead of dressers, she sees a couple of dresses. That's not an intentional change. I just accidentally said dresses, and by the time I noticed the mistake, it was too late. I think that mistake actually works in my favor, though. It's like a small foreshadowing of her discovery of the patchwork girl. It also puts another grim light on Reginald. Like, maybe he just comes up here every so often to play dress-up with his grotesque homemade Barbie. But I'm getting ahead of myself. There's a little bit of Ed Gein thrown into this chapter as well. The patchwork curtains, yet another foreshadowing of things to come in this chapter... The idea that Dorothy opens the curtains and holds them for a moment before noticing the odd texture, noticing the odd texture before noticing the wrinkles, the unmistakable wrinkles, noticing the wrinkles before realizing there was a hair just beneath her thumb. Gross! Skin curtains! You know how sometimes you can imagine something so vividly that you can almost trick your senses into thinking they're experiencing something? Like when you think of the smell of your first day of school, or the feeling of that perfect pair of shoes the first time you put them on. Or maybe you can close your eyes and taste your aunt's signature mashed potatoes and gravy that you only get once a year on Thanksgiving. Well, I just want to point out that I've never felt a skin curtain. 
or had that sensation of a prickly, wiry hair under my thumb. But I can imagine this so well that when I wrote this chapter, and when I recorded it, and when I edited it, and whenever I just think of it in general, I can totally feel it in my mind. That's how vivid this creepy moment is for me. It doesn't help that when I picture this room, I picture a very specific room on the second floor of my grandmother's house. I can see the layout perfectly. I can even still smell that musty furniture and feel the old carpet under my feet. If I had a picture of that room, you can bet I'd throw it up on Twitter for you all to see. That house was an incredibly large part of my childhood. A time when cell phones weren't a thing, and we weren't all carrying around DSLR-level cameras in our pockets like they were nothing. While that house still remains, it is now owned by another family, filling it with their own memories, and hopefully not skin curtains. Also, for the record, my grandma never had skin curtains. The point is, I don't have a picture of the room to show you. No, for now, you have only your own imagination to fill in the blanks. Maybe your own childhood memories, or maybe a room from your favorite movie, or a combination of the two, or just a creation of your own imagination. I've realized over the course of this podcast that sometimes I tend to ramble and get a little bit off topic. If only there was a better place for me to do that. Hmm. I guess you could always check out my old podcast, Off All Day, with Mac and T. It was a wonderfully evergreen mess of seemingly random topics with weekly prizes that no one ever claimed. It's available on your podcast app of choice. And even though the show came to an early conclusion in 2020 for pandemic reasons, and because I was about to launch Dark Days, the show is still there. Some episodes were great, Others were slightly less great, but it was all not terrible. Okay, okay, enough is enough. Let's get back to work here. We find the Patchwork Girl in the closet. The name Patchwork Girl is indeed a reference to a bomb character. When I set out to write this book, I wasn't looking to fill it with clever Easter eggs or hidden references to other bomb books. Remember Mombi from the beginning of the book? The witch that Dorothy crushes with her house? Originally named Melinda in my book. Because I like the epic eight-minute song Face of Melinda by Opeth. It wasn't until later that I realized the character Mombi from the second Oz book would work in this part. Similar thing with the patchwork girl. I know she's a bomb character, and I just thought the name sounded cool. I would like to say I'm an expert on all things Oz, but you know me, and you know that I'm not. I've only read a few of the original books, and I don't particularly care for most on-screen adaptations. Which, by the way, do often try to shoehorn references and Easter eggs into them. Outside of knowing she's a character from the Bombverse, I don't really know who she is or what significance she has. So again... Not trying to be clever or offer any kind of fan service. Just thought the name sounded cool, and easy to imagine in a very horrifying light. I imagine the patchwork girl as kind of a Sally from Nightmare Before Christmas, only far more disfigured, and 
certainly not singing. I wanted each floor to kind of be a world unto itself. The second floor is largely inspired by the Silent Hill video game series. A lot of my horror inspiration is drawn from the Silent Hill world, mainly the first three games. I'm pretty sure I've credited this franchise before, and I will no doubt credit it again in the future. I just like the idea of the characters walking through creepy or desolate hallways, checking each door just to hear that sound indicating it's locked so it can be marked on the map with a little white X. The massive keyring Reginald gives Dorothy is a frustration I think most, if not all of us, can recognize. Ever forget which key opens the front door of your house? Or office? Or dungeon? Or car? Or trunk of your car? Or post office box? Or... Well, you get the idea. Just thinking about fumbling around with these keys gives me anxiety. And the idea, the mere thought, that she has to spend minutes getting into a completely empty and useless room is almost enough to make me stop telling this story out of anger. And it's on the first floor where we finally find Mr. Confused, but waiting patiently no less. I like the idea that Dorothy is hesitant to believe it's really him, and that for once he seems to be the reasonable or stable one in the friendship. Dorothy is becoming increasingly agitated and paranoid here as well, but can you really blame her? I mean, she's spent hours being mentally abused and manipulated and tormented by Jack the Flipping Ripper. Oh, right. Reginald is Jack the Ripper. We'll get we'll get into that in a minute, though. So close to finally getting out when Reginald shows up and points out that she has indeed failed. The sun has risen, and she has to spend yet another day with him. Dorothy is at least smart enough to keep Mr. in sight, though. She's not about to let Reginald take him upstairs, no matter how great the view is. I don't think I could successfully write a third-floor, second-floor story with Mr. anyway. I can't imagine the readers or listeners wanting to sit through that kind of redundancy. I mentioned last week that these chapters weren't originally part of Dark Days, and yes, that means they are somewhat shoehorned into the story. While I feel the general tone of these chapters mesh well with the world I've reimagined with my book, and while these chapters are indeed important to Darker Days, it's time for this story within a story to come to its inevitable conclusion. Drawing it out any longer would have derailed the story to a degree that just wouldn't work. It would have risked bringing the entire book to a grinding halt. And as we know now, every good storyteller knows that restraint is vital to every prose. I mean, even I know that. I mean, you know, I can admit that some chapters in this book are largely unnecessary. Not saying the Reginald chapters are unnecessary, but... You know, there was that chapter in the canyon a while back. Right, back to the actual story, though. We get a history lesson from Reginald here as well. What Oz was like before the wizard. His skepticism and personal history are also on display here. Reginald comes from London, in a time of cobblestone streets and horse-drawn carriages. He's been in Oz much longer than the wizard. He once went by a different name 
one that demanded respect. He likes the ladies, especially when they are exquisite. And some used to say he had a real spring in his heels. Yes, Reginald is Jack the Ripper. I never make it clear as to whether Dorothy realizes that's who he is, though you would think that if she did, she would have been straight up panicking by the time he let her go, and certainly wouldn't be trying to reason with him when he shows up again later in the streets. Dorothy and Mr. are making their escape, of course, when they hear some rustling of leaves. When I wrote this, I knew exactly what was going to happen, but I would be very curious to know what you, the listener or reader, thought. Did you think it was Reginald? Did you think it was the woodman or the lion? Did you think it was maybe not necessarily a mangy dog-like creature, but some other kind of monster? Of course, we meet up with Reginald, once again, before getting to that other bit of nasty business in the dark streets of Ildayed. Turns out, he just wasn't happy with Dorothy's ending. The level of damage Mr. can take before losing consciousness is kind of a sliding scale. It really just depends on what the chapter calls for. Here we have him almost decapitated, and it brings him down. Reginald is, of course, attacked by the creature of the night, which promptly rips out his tongue before running off with it flapping in his mouth like a dead fish. So, I guess we can all assume this is why no one speaks here? Man, I tell you what, I could so write an M. Night Shammy Sosa-style story about this place if I really wanted to. Imagine this city, in which feral dogs lurk every night. The citizens sacrifice the tongues of their children to silence their cries and appease some kind of a demon god. Of course, it would be discovered that there is no demon god after all, and everything was actually just a dream in an alien boy's head. But then you would find out that the alien boy only thinks he's an alien, but he's actually a human. But then you would find out that he's actually living with aliens. So even though he's human, he's technically the alien because he's the minority outsider. But it's okay, because as soon as he escapes that alien spaceship, he finds out it was all just a theme park ride. Also, there's a lady living in a swimming pool being attacked by killer plants. And he has multiple personality disorder. And it turns out he's being played by Danny DeVito. Oh wait, final twist! Danny DeVito pulls off a Mission Impossible-style mask and is actually Sam Jackson. And it's really a credit card commercial. I would definitely watch that movie. So, yeah, that leads us to Reginald bleeding profusely in the streets. I remember many, many moons ago, I watched a really bad movie called Mindhunters. Not to be confused with that really, really good show on Netflix called Mindhunter. Or at least I think it was called Mindhunters. Anyways, it's about a bunch of criminal profilers stuck on an island, and they had to profile each other to figure out who was killing them all. I think it starred LL Cool J, 
because he was once a celebrity, and I guess kind of relevant. Anyways, there was a character in it that said something stupid about not having any weaknesses. Spoiler alert, he was the bad guy. He gets shot, and probably LL Cool J says something stupid like, I guess we found his only weakness. Bullets. That line has stuck with me for all these years as one of the cheesiest moments and lines in action movie history. By now, you've heard me ramble on about a variety of topics, and maybe your patience, which you once thought was eternal, is now wearing thin. Maybe you're even saying something like, Get to the point, you narcissistic gas bag! The point is, I have my own I guess we found his only weakness moment right here as Dorothy stands over Reginald and says, Looks like you've got a grand story to tell now. I do not regret this cheesy, campy line. I do regret not writing it differently, though. She says, Too bad you can't tell it. I should have written it as, Good luck telling it. And who knows, maybe someday I will re-record this episode and change that line. But probably not. One last thing. If you're wondering about my voice for Reginald, and where the inspiration comes from, I'll let you know right about... Now. My choice of voice for Reginald comes from the nerdcore chap-hop artist Professor Elemental. Go check him out on Spotify, or wherever you prefer to get your music. I recommend his songs I'm British, or Theme Music, the extended version. I chose to focus more on tone and texture than trying to land an actual accent. And personally... I think that was the right way to go. I'm pretty proud of these episodes, and I hope you enjoyed them as well. Come back next week for another five-episode week, chapters 27 through 30. That's The Road to the West Part 2, A Murder of Crows, The Path to the Gray Desert, and The Gray Desert. As always, there will be an aftermath episode to accompany those chapters as well. Thanks for listening. I love you all.